Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am super excited to have Caleb Collier on our podcast today. Gabe could not make it. Um, they're a dynamic duo, and they uh, have a radio show called Church and State, I believe. I'll let Caleb talk more about that. Um, but Caleb's going to be here. We're going to be talking about free markets and healthcare. If you follow me enough, you real you know I've written a book called Thickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. And one of the fixes is literally a free market. We we need to get the government out of healthcare. They're the ones that ruined it. Um, and free markets, actually, people voting with their pocketbooks, people voting based on value, based on service, based on quality, based on price. Um, that's what needs to happen. We don't need more government intervention. We need less government intervention. So Caleb is an expert on everything free market, not just healthcare. So I invited him on our show to talk about it. So Caleb, welcome to our show. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah, you're right. Free market is always the solution. It doesn't matter whether it's healthcare, um, I mean, even when you look down at, uh, you know, for a rather obscure example of this, uh, parks, right? Uh, government has even ruined parks. You look at private parks, uh, we're in, we're in uh, eastern Washington, so a lot of us go up to Silverwood, uh, and we've seen what the free market has done for Silverwood. We've seen the improvements and how they're always improving, uh, bringing in new rides and things. There's your free market solution right there. You look at what the public parks have become, and Hardly anybody even wants to go there because they're filled with homeless people. They're filled with drug addicts. There's graffiti all over the place. So there you go. Free market once again. Better solution than what government provides us. But wait a minute, Caleb. What if we didn't have um, national parks like Yellowstone? Um, these private individuals just get greedy and they, they destroy them, wouldn't they? And then nobody could enjoy Yellowstone, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's always the claim, right? Is that government has to step in because otherwise, who will save us from ourselves, right? Or the the greedy capitalists. Right. Uh, and and the truth of the matter is, is yes, there's always going to be a certain element of society that does take advantage, right? But most of us, because we have God's image in us, most of us want to better our community, better our world. And so, what we've seen actually is a lot of these so-called greedy capitalists have actually donated their lands, have have taken reserves um, and opened it up to the public uh, and ensured that we are able to enjoy that natural beauty. Right. Well, when, when we when we um, talk about parks, one of the things that I always tell people is um, what's the most what's the most popular park in the world? Disneyland. And when you go to Disneyland, Disneyland there's no garbage laying around. There's no homeless people. Um, and, and, you know, then people argue, well, not everybody can afford to get to Disneyland. Well, that might be the case, although stealing from me, taking my tax money, which is theft, stealing from me to decide what park everybody else can go to is not the solution. No, and so, also there's always corrections within the free market, right? If if Disneyland raises its price to a level to where the masses can't enjoy the park, well, then they're not going to make any money. So what do they do? Well, they lower it to an acceptable level. And they've got people on marketing teams and whatnot. They know exactly the price that the vast majority of Americans can afford to get into their park. Exactly. So let's make that analogy with healthcare. Um, what if the government didn't pay for healthcare? It would be would it be way, way too expensive and people couldn't afford it? Right. And, and this is the argument, right? Universal health care. Uh, and yet we have examples of this. We can look to 
the Canadians. I mean, you and I are old enough to remember when the Canadians used to travel down here and, and it was literally healthcare tourism. So they come down here because they hated what the government provided in Canada. So they'd come to the United States and get all their healthcare needs met for literally pennies on the dollar. Right. We can look at countries like Cuba. There's a great example. Right. Um, sure. You've got universal health care, but they're completely broke. And so you break your leg. Well, yeah, maybe you'll get a free pair of crutches. That, well, that's nice. You know, OK, we can hobble along down the street. But are they actually going to repair the injury? No, absolutely not. And so what we've seen in the United States is that our healthcare system, before they broke it, it was the best in the world. It was the envy of the entire world. And the reason for that was because our beautiful constitution limits what government can do, limits the authority that they have in all of these private sectors, healthcare being one of them. Yeah, and and there's still people that are coming down from Canada to access healthcare here. Um, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, we talk often about it. Um, Dr. Keith Smith, one of the founders, um, he talks about um, people coming down from Canada to pay his surgery center cash because if they waited, there was a gal, he used a story, um, she had chronic uterine bleeding and they couldn't get her into surgery. So they just kept giving her blood transfusions and um, went down to the surgery center of Oklahoma, paid cash for the surgery um, because she couldn't get in for years into Canada. So sure, it's free. You just never can get it. It's kind of like that, a store that advertises something on sale, but they never have it. I mean, that's really what, what, what our, what, um, universal health care, what government health care, um, Medicare for all, that's the talk now. That's really what it comes down to. People need to, health care needs to be a free market like any other commodity. Yes, I said it. Like food, like buying a car, like, like paying for a hotel. And the price will drop immediately when we get the government out of paying for health care, which they already pay for 80% of it. So if we think the government's the answer, they already ruined it. They're the ones paying for most of it. So we need patient. We need people to vote with their pocketbooks. Yeah, it's all part of a greater plan by uh, those who have really taken over our country. Uh, you can call them the elitists. You can call them the globalists. Whatever they, whatever you'd like, whatever term you prefer. Uh, but what it is is it's designed to put us on the reservation. Uh, and you can look back at American history and see how many times they've actually implemented this. You can see what they did to the Native Americans in the United States by putting them on reservations, by making sure that they were they relied on literally everything for the government and go to any reservation um, throughout the entire United States. And what do they look like? They look like third world countries. Well, that's because of what the government did to them. You can look at what they've done to the black community in the United States and this idea that the government is going to take care of them from cradle to grave. And you can see what that's done. You can see how they've destroyed the nuclear family by removing fathers from the black community. And now mothers just look at government as the father, um, the father figure. And that's what they're designed. That's what they're doing to healthcare is they're taking people and making them believe that the government is going to take care of them through all things. And it really it removes our rugged American individuality, the things that really made America great. Uh, and now you've got people that literally don't think they can do anything without some type of government assistance. Uh, and, and I'm speaking to this because I, I used to be an EMT, uh, Sean. I worked that for about seven years. It's how I met my wife. Um, and so when I was an EMT, when I first started from the time that I left, healthcare had changed dramatically and 
I got out of it in 2012. I mean, it's only gotten that much worse, but people were calling 911 for the most ridiculous reasons. I would, I would go on 911 calls for people who had splinters. I would go on 911 calls for people who woke up from a bad dream. Um, and they thought that this was appropriate to call 911. And, and every single person, when I would explain to them, this is not a reason to go to the hospital, they'd say, well, I don't care. I don't pay for it anyway. Right. Well, that, that really made me angry because I'm the one paying for it as, as a taxpayer. I'm the one that's paying for you to take a, a ludicrous ambulance, ambulance ride to the hospital where they work you up. It costs thousands of dollars, but they don't care because they're on the government dole. Yeah. I mean, I even got a, a worse example when I worked at the hospital 25 years ago, um, and it's it's gotten worse um, since. There was a guy that lived, oh, about 10 miles out, out in the country on the edges of, of, of the town and of Moses Lake. And he would get, he would say he had chest pain and um, then he'd get a ride to the, to the hospital. And then he'd walk a block down the street to the bar. It was literally a free ride to the bar for him. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, it was unbelievable. And, and I, I can't imagine how many billions of dollars we spend a year on things like that. And of course, you know, as an EMT or a, a, the ambulance can't refuse them treatment. So no, um, that's not illegal. Right. And that's part of the problem is that we can't our as healthcare professionals, our hands have been tied to make decisions like that. Just like the ER, the ER can't refuse them treatment. Um, they've got to treat them even though they know that it's it's ridiculous. And part of that problem is, is that most of the funds from healthcare come from government dollars now, Medicare and Medicaid. And so with any kind of government money, just like you're talking about the reservation um, analogy, with any kind of government money, what the government can give you, they can take away. And it's called slavery is what it really is. And that's what the government has created in healthcare is slavery. So doctors, pharmacists, hospitals, the those that accept government dollars, they are slaves. They are slaves to the government. And they, they've got all these strings attached where um, the government makes makes their rules. They can't use their their brains anymore um, and rational rational and logical thinking um, or their government money would be taken away. And that's got to stop. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it right there. Uh, they have created a slave society and the vast majority of people out there. Uh, they enjoy it. Uh, you know, I, I actually refer to uh, the current situation that we're in as uh, a brave new 1984 uh, because it's a mixture of those two classic novels. You know, we are seeing that 1984 model where we're constantly surveilled, everything that we do. Um, and then we're also sedated, like in a brave new world. So we're enjoying our slavery. So long as they give us, as the, the Roman emperor said, a bread and circus, they're going to be able to control everything that we do. And you look at the vast majority of people, they don't care anything about about the subject that we're talking about or or most subjects for that matter. As long as they're watching their favorite football team, hey, the Super Bowl's coming up. What are you doing? Let's go and, you know, root on our favorite team and, and uh, project our masculinity onto those players because we certainly don't do anything masculine, right? We don't, we don't fight for anything. No, but our favorite football team, that's going to do it. And then we get all the food and everything, so we're fat and happy. And meanwhile, every single liberty – that we should all fight like heck to ensure that it's not stripped away from us. Every single one of those is disappearing. Yeah, absolutely. So you do some work with um, with uh, Charlie Kirk, and 
um, I want I want you to talk about. I'm going to go ahead and stream um, his book. So one of the things when we talk about um, we talk about free markets and we talk about you know you talked about it, it's in the it's in the bigger plan. Um, one thing I think about when it comes to to free healthcare is that free healthcare, universal healthcare, it's a principle of Marxism. It literally is, and and you know Karl Marx knew that, um, communists knew that. You know, let's give people healthcare, and then they will need the government. Um, and and one of the ways to indoctrinate people on that principle is through colleges. So um, public education, which, you know, we call it public schools, but let's really call them what they really are. They're government schools. They're not public schools. A public place is a place that you can decide you want to go to. The government schools, they tell you where you go based on your zip code. So you don't get a choice of schools in, in, in most school districts. So um, tell us about your work with with uh, Charlie Kirk and a little bit about um, the college scam because I know that's where Charlie Kirk kind of started out was on college campuses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and before I do that, let me just say this: um, if you're a parent out there, get your kids out of the public indoctrination system. Um, and I know that is a sacrifice. I do it myself, and, and it's very difficult to pay not only for a school that you're not using because you're going to have to continue to do that, but then on top of that, pay for that private education. But there are options. There's homeschool, there's co-ops, and then, of course, the private schools. But if you send your kids, and I actually, I despise when Christians say that they're sending their kids into public education to be salt and light. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't send your kids into battle because that's exactly what you're saying right there. Your kids, you they will lose that battle, and then you will lose your kids. So get them out as quickly as you possibly can. So I work for uh, Turning Point. I work with uh, TPUSA Faith. So um, we're actually a little bit of a newer department uh, where we go into the churches and try to get Christians to engage civically. Um, it's been a fantastic job, um, albeit sometimes frustrating. We can get into that a little bit later. Uh, Charlie, um, as most people know, brilliant individual. And um, he really started Turning Point by going in to colleges and trying to unindoctrinate our youth. Um, as you pointed out, the Marxists knew that there were certain areas that they had to take complete control of in order to win this battle without a shot being fired. And they've really been quite successful. Uh, they certainly went into the churches, uh, but they definitely got our educators um, starting at the college level and then moving down. Uh, you can see this in pretty much every single college out there. Uh, even the so-called Christian uh, colleges have a lot of Marxist teachers, and they're teaching a curriculum that is designed to make us hate America and hate God. Uh, so Charlie Kirk really goes through with this book, which I've read, and I highly recommend to our audience to uh, to get this book. And in fact, you can find it at uh, TPUTurningPoint.com. Uh, uh, he goes through and he really lays out um, example after example of these different college professors and how they've completely blocked free speech, how they've weaponized our youth um, against free market capitalism, against uh, the, uh, well, the American way of life. And so um, the, the problem that we run into is that we've seen this almost keep up with the Jones mentality 
of if you tell someone that your kid isn't going to college, well, that's shameful in today's America. Like, wait, little Johnny's not going to go to college. I mean, what is he going to do? Is he even going to be successful? Well, this is a lie. Uh, most of what you're learning in the universities doesn't really assist you as you go out and work the marketplace. Um, in fact, I've seen uh, recently that a lot of businesses are hiring headhunters and they are actually, the biggest people that they're recruiting is actually farm kids because farm kids have the work ethic and the college students, they just, they come out of college and they expect like the greatest jobs. So I'm streaming there. Um, you can actually get a free copy of Turning Point. Go to Turning Point USA and get a free copy of the College Scam book um, with uh, any amount of donation. And I have a copy. And and yeah, that's exactly the the book just hits it right on the head. And I didn't go to I went to school over 30 years ago or about 30 years ago. And um, you know I could see looking back, especially um, you know that developing. Um, you know, just the, the indoctrination in, in the public system. And I was in pharmacy school, obviously. And, um, you know, they would say things like, oh, well, you know, universal healthcare, it's going to be great for pharmacy and it's going to be great for the country. And, you know, unfortunately my parents weren't political enough to educate me on those kind of topics. Um, so I just, I believed it, you know, now a few years out of school, you know, I realized that that was not, not a good thing, but, uh, you know, it, it started in our colleges and, 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 you know, so, so tell us, Caleb, I asked this, you know, when Charlie Kirk came to town um, back in Spokane last fall, I actually asked Charlie Kirk this question and it was like, so what do we do? What do we do as healthcare professionals? Because we need a college degree. So what do we do? Yeah. And that's the great question. Um, it, there are certain jobs that, yes, you have to go through the education system uh, in order to achieve those jobs. If, if your kid is unsure about that, uh, there are a lot of other options. Uh, you, definitely some trade schools that haven't been um, in, uh, influenced as much by the Marxists. Um, but, you know, certain jobs, definitely in the medical area, you're going to have to go. Uh, what I would recommend, and I, and I believe this is what Charlie would say as well, is keep them out as long as possible. So go to um, find a very good Christian university to get your your AA from. Right. So you're not having all these you know women's studies and things that just don't make sense, for, especially for your career path. And then once you get into uh, more of the medical science or whatever it may look like, um, oftentimes those at least. Um, they're not able to incorporate all all of this confusion into it as much. Uh, now, certainly with the, the whole transgenderism movement, you're going to have to deal with that. But you're going to have to make sure that your head is on your shoulders, that you believe what you believe, that you're, you become almost an apologist, uh, not only for your faith, because they're certainly going to attack that, but also for your political ideologies. And, and then you're just going to have to kind of Suck it up because the, the most times your your professor is not going to be an ally or a friend to you. So you're just going to have to be frustrated for a few years. And then once you get into your uh, career field there, then you can actually do the job that you love. And I, and I know that you love what you do. Um, and I'm sure you've had your your uh, years probably of frustration with what they've done yeah. to the medical community. Yeah. And one of the things is, is that I think. I do think that 
you know, maybe I'm just too optimistic, but when it comes to the college um, scam, I, I do believe there's a scam going on. I, I think most college degrees, and if you read and if you read the book, um, most college degrees are useless. Um, if you're not getting a professional degree where you have to have a degree, whether it be a pharmacist, a doctor, a nurse, an attorney, you know, your general, like say, women's study degree, um, some of the degrees that that. Charlie talks about his book are just unreal. I mean, they're, they're, they're worthless. Um, you know, and, and, and even within I, that, like, uh, there are certain States like, uh, Washington is one of these States. Uh, Illinois is another one. In fact, Abraham Lincoln, uh, took advantage of this, but within law, you can actually bypass the education system and you can go and work under a lawyer and get your degree through that. So there are other options. You just have to, uh, use your imagination, kind of look and study into things right. um, so that you don't become indoctrinated. Yeah. In Washington state, I think it's called the law clerk program. And there's a, f- a little over a hundred attorneys that have done that. They just passed the bar. I've got a good friend that has done that. And, and he's one of the sharpest, smartest attorneys. I know fast past the bar first round. There's a lot of people that he tells me about that they go through college go through law school, they can't pass the bar. Um, so college doesn't necessarily prepare you for for the real world, um, you know, like like they say it does. Um, it, it's, it, it's really working in an individual field where you learn the most. In any profession, um, pharmacy is the same way. 99% of what you learn is not in school. I mean, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's on the job training. And, you know, 100 years ago, Caleb, that's what we did. Everybody... You know, they learned from their dad. They worked alongside their dad and they learned a trade. That's what everybody did for years at a time. There weren't there weren't especially schools for all this stuff. So, um, you know, you could definitely bypass college in a lot of ways. And um, I think it's turning around. There's also that slavery element. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I think it's turning around where I think people are realizing that college is just not worth what it used to be and, and going, you know, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for this, for this education and these, you know, kids going into debt and having hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. It's slavery. That's slavery is what it is. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah. So, so many of these kids, um, and, and I don't know if I was cut off on this part, but I was talking about there's, there's almost a keeping up with the Joneses mentality uh, within the parents uh, who, if, if they dare to tell a, you know, their friend or, or neighbor or something that little Johnny's not going to college, it's like, it's shock, you know, oh my gosh, you know, what, what is right. he going to do with his life? Right. Is he a drug addict or something? You know, why wouldn't you go to yeah. college? Um, and, and so they're pushing these kids into college and, and they're coming out of school with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Uh, some of it, they'll, they'll never even pay off for the, in their entire life. Um, for a bachelor's degree in gender studies or something like, what does that do for you as you go into the marketplace? Um, right. and, and one of the points that I brought up, I believe when I w- was cut off there was I've actually talked to a number of business owners who are hiring headhunters. Um, and you know, the people that they're recruiting, uh, yeah, farm, for, farm kids. For, you, it did come through farm kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Farm kids. That's, that's wild, right? That, that work ethic, because they can teach them the job, any job it can be taught to them, but work ethic is not something that can be taught. Right. Um, it, no. Yeah. It's instilled in you. I mean, the hardest worker I know is, is my wife and she grew up on a dairy farm. She grew up on a ranch. She, and I, I didn't grow up on a farm. My parents didn't own a farm like hers, but I grew up, I put myself in high school. I worked on a farm and in college, I put, worked on a farm, lots of hours. And 
everybody should work on a farm someday. Because if you want to know what real work is all about and how you have to use your mind um, when you're, you know, 20 miles out in the middle middle of nowhere and you've got to figure out how to fix stuff and um, innovate and, um, you know, to, to get the job done, you don't have somebody to bail you out and say, well, I, there's no there's no handbook for this saying, I don't know how to fix it. Well, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. And, and then also the hours you put in, right? Like most of these right. farm kids that are going into the corporate world, they're like, wait, you mean I only have to work nine to five? Right. And five days a week, only five days a yeah. week. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it's a dream come yeah. true for these kids. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about um, your and Caleb's show church and state. Yeah. So um Trisha's State is uh, something we're both really, really proud of. Um, it began in 2017. Uh, I'd actually been a city council member for the city of Spokane Valley. Um, and I did two things that really angered, um, well, even the Republican Party, to be quite honest. Um, I tried to make our city a Second Amendment sanctuary city. And uh, that was because the Attorney General, Bob Ferguson, uh, who, by the way, is an extremely dangerous man and is probably going to be our next governor after Jay Inslee decides not to run. Okay. Um, and uh, he, he said he was he was saying that he was going to ban uh, assault weapons, whatever those are, and uh, high capacity magazines. So it's, it's a continued attack. You see this. It's nothing new. Um, but so I, did, I tried to declare Spokane Valley a Second Amendment sanctuary uh, city. So it was, it was kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, you know, this is when all these cities, San Francisco and, and whatnot, were uh, making sanctuary cities for undocumented immigrants. Um, and, uh, and so I did this and, and uh, it made national news and, and really made a lot of people angry. And then I also fought against a vaccine mandate uh, back in, I think it was 2016, um, for public schools. So this was before the whole COVID nonsense. Yeah. Right. Um, and, but I fought against that. And so they ended up running a, uh, a Democrat who later became a Republican um, and knocked me out of office. And so I, I was praying because I knew that God had called me into politics. I firmly believe that politics is a mission field. And sadly enough, it's one that Christians shy away from the most. Uh, and so I, I was praying to the Lord. And I'm like, look, you called me into this. Why did I lose? And literally a week later, I got offered a radio slot. Um, and so... I spoke with my best friend who's a pastor and I said, Hey, I've been offered this. Um, I'd like to do it together. Um, and, uh, we came up with church and state. So him being the pastor, he's the church side, me being a, a politician or former politician who still works in politics. Um, me being the state side of things. And so we really began a, an incredible journey for us. And we've taken this thing, um, from one day a week with, uh, you know, holding up our phones a little, you know, camera action there to now we have a, a full studio. Um, we've got fairly nice equipment. We've been traveling all over the United States. We actually just came back from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, where we were speakers at the Reawaken America tour with with Clay Clark and Eric Trump and General Flynn. Um, and uh, and now we've got more speaking engagements coming up as well. Uh, but it's really our 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 call to action, and it works very well with the uh, the job that I do with TPUSA Faith, is we really want to get Christians to engage civically. Um, this idea that we 
you know, the separation of church and state, that the the church shouldn't influence the state. Uh, these are all lies. Uh, they've been used by the enemy to really keep the church within the four walls. You know, don't get out of there. Don't say anything. Um, you can have your church, but just don't, in, don't, don't get out in the community and change things. Um, and we've seen our moral, uh, our morality as a nation just continue to, to slide down. And that's because we're not engaging um, I, I encourage pastors all the time in particular, like, okay, if, if you don't want to engage in politics, cause it's a dirty word, um, at least address the moral issues in society. And very quickly from there, they understand that, Hey, those so-called political issues. Yeah. They're, they're moral issues. Uh, abortion, right. Is a political issue. No, that's a moral issue. We have to protect that sanctity of life. I mean, our founding fathers, put that in the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Well, there's a hierarchy to that order, right? And life comes first. If we don't have life, then every other right that we're born with that are God-given rights, right? They're not constitutional rights. They're God-given rights. Every single one of those matters not. Uh, And so we've had some success with that. Um, We're definitely kind of in your face. Um, I was in the Marine Corps, so I'm a little bit aggressive on these things. I, I despise bullies and tyrants. Um, but we also bring a lot of humor. We have a lot of fun in, in, uh, in doing church and state. Yeah. I have watched a number of your programs and, and I, I love it. Uh, one of the ones I think about is the one where, uh, um, you talk about the lack of testosterone in men and, and, and guys driving Subarus. And it was just, I just fell, fell out of my chair because my wife was just making fun of that, like a week before, <laughs> So I had to show her that. So yeah, yeah it's a, it's, there's um, a, little, a little bit of humor and a lot of truth. That's what your show is. So uh, definitely, definitely check out church and state with, with Caleb and Gabe. Um, so as we wind this podcast up, Caleb, I, I appreciate your time um, and your wisdom. Um, I appreciate you fighting out there for um, free markets um, of everything. And that that's what, um, you know, that's what I'm fighting for. And I always have, I just, I believe in liberty. I believe in individual liberty. And the last few years with our podcast, it's, it's become more apparent that our medical liberty has been um, taken away from us um, or they're at least trying to take it away. We, when we can't let that go. So I appreciate you being on. Um, if anybody has any questions, uh, what's the best way to get a, get a hold of you? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so please go to tpfaith.com. Uh, and then if you want to get a hold of me specifically, if you got a pastor out there that you'd like me to meet with, that's my primary job. Um, so caleb.collier at tpusa.com. Please email me. I'd love to. I, I, I cover all of Eastern Washington and um, all of Idaho as well. But with that being said, I travel a lot. So I end up getting pulled in different directions, too. So it doesn't matter where you're at. Please get a hold of me. I'd love to uh, connect with your pastor and get him engaged civically. Uh, if they're interested in church and state, uh, we have our website, churchandstate.media. You can also find us on Facebook at Church and State 1776. Uh, in fact, we're on Twitter, Instagram, all of that. Uh, we are on Rumble as well. Uh, we got kicked off of YouTube, surprise, surprise, um, mostly for the vaccines, uh, but whatever. Um, yeah. We are trying to build that back up. We got another account. We'll see if it works. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's how you can find me. Oh, sorry, awesome. email uh, for Church and State. Uh, Church and State, uh, 1776 at proton.me for, the, for our email at Church and State. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on today, Caleb. You've definitely helped us realize our goal of this podcast was just to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So I appreciate you being on. Let's stay in touch, Caleb. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Listeners and viewers, thanks for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Monday for our regularly scheduled podcast, 1230 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. I'm not sure who our guest is Monday, but you don't want to miss out. So tune in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thank you.